Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the final episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as me and my my guest, my friend, uh, Zach Mikosh, are currently ruminating over what was a hellscape of a loss, uh, a nightmare of a loss, if you will. Uh, I've, I've introduced him already, but for now is is Deputy Site Manager Zach Mikosh at the mic. Zach, uh, how are you, first of all, and and what can you take away from what we just witnessed? Uh, well, I'm frustrated, that's for sure. I uh, I have a, a slightly painful foot from kicking over my chair at the <laughs> end of that game. <laughs> and there was like, I man, that that that's the number one thing I just take. And, and it's it's funny because I uh, the last game I did I covered before this one was the last Wizards game, which was also equally as like incredibly frustrating for a little bit different reasons. Um, but still just, just uh, so many mistakes, just so many mistakes, so many self-inflicted wounds, uh, in this game tonight that it's, it's, it's just so frustrating. And then there in that last sequence, uh, to see just, just a complete breakdown, uh, of everything is, uh, (laughs) it was just, it was just really, really, really frustrating. Where do you want to start? Because I'm willing to go in a variety of different directions here. Uh, do we want to start with the last play? Uh, just kind of go chronologically. I think we have what do you to. Think? Yeah, I think we got to start with the last play because it's it's the yeah. thing that's on everybody's mind. Yeah, I tend to I tend to agree. So the Nuggets are in a situation with in the fourth quarter with the time running down, where there are there are very few amount. There's a very little amount of time left after. A, a pretty long situation, or a pretty long extended sequence that I, I was surprised that there was never a timeout called. So from the 157 moment onward, uh, Bradley Beal makes a second free throw to extend the Wizards' lead to four. Uh, the next possession, Nikola Jokic misses a two-point shot. Then Russell Westbrook turns the ball over. Uh, then Nicole, uh, then Nicole Jokic finds Michael Porter Jr. for a dunk to cut it to two with a minute 15 left. Then at that point, the clock doesn't stop again. Uh, Jokic blocks a Robin Lopez layup. Jamal Murray goes down, misses a step-back jump shot after Michael Porter Jr. had a, a, a wide-open three that he passed up. That was that was pretty weird. Uh, he, he kicked that out to, uh, to Jamal Murray. Uh, then Denver plays good defense. Raul Neto gets that last shot with about five, six seconds left. Uh, Jokic uh, punches the ball out into that front court area or into the back court area. Jamal Murray catches it on the left wing, dribbles up to that left wing three towards the top of the key. He has three players on the right side of the lane. Michael Porter Jr. fills to the corner. Facundo Capazzo fills to the right wing. And Monte Morris is in the trail position. 
Uh, Jamal Murray kicks it over to Facundo Campasso for a, a wide open three that misses bricks really badly and the Nuggets lose the game. Uh, I, so I've, I've laid it all out there uh, with, with the details. What do you think was the moment that, that you looked for in that final play that you circled? That was the problem. Uh, I think the biggest the biggest issue is Michael Porter Jr. not going to the basket uh, down there. I was I was I'm trying to look this up right now, and I think I don't I don't have time to read through the actual the, the very legal way that the rule book is written here. But um, I'm pretty sure. So the first thing I was thinking was like, why didn't they call timeout and advance the ball? But I think because Jokic tapped that rebound. That that if they had called timeout once Jamal got the ball, it would not they would not have been able to advance it. So well, in, a, in addition, I think that a, if you're on a three on one fast break, that's better than any possible situation that you could get from a half court play. I think, right? Agreed. Yeah, in, in a vacuum. But the, but but what we saw at the end of at the end of the game is an exact reason why you call the timeout, right? <laughs> True. Because you don't True. want this confusion. And because you you know, and people not sure what to do, and then you run out of time. But I, like I said, I'm pretty sure that it would not have they would not have been able to advance the ball because Jokic tapped the rebound um, to to Jamal. So with that being said, uh, it, it's really to me, yeah, it, it's Michael Porter Jr. Uh, not crashing the basket. And after the game, he said, well, he was confused because he thought Jamal was going to shoot the three. And I get that Jamal did look because he kind of stepped back. You know, he looked like he was going to drive, and then did like a step back, and and, and kind of you know, you figured it's going up. Uh, but but he didn't obviously. But even if Jamal is shooting that three, like it's still on Porter to crash the basket because if Jamal shoots the three and misses, Porter's gonna have the putback to tie the game. So right. like there, there was really no reason for for him or Faku or or Monty Morris. Like nobody goes to the basket. They all just fan out to the three point line. That's that's absolutely in my eyes where the breakdown happens. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing when when you're three on one like that. Really four on one, given right. given the position that Monte Morris was in. Uh, the Nuggets have to work for a better shot than a Faku Campazo three. Uh, Faku finishes the game one of eight, one of seven from three, and and that's just not the look that you're looking for uh, with with the game on the line. In my opinion, that you should be looking for a layup. Uh, I think that Porter has. We, we all know that he has some serious shot selection issues and, and just kind of thinking the game from a, from a perspective like that is, is a tougher situation for him, but it's five seconds left. You got to get what you get. You got to understand the situation. You have to know that if you're down by two and you have an open lane to the basket, you should probably be trying to fill the lane. That's, that's my opinion on it. it. It's not everybody's opinion on it. And I've seen people come to his defense that a, a 44% three-point shooter shouldn't, like from the corner, shouldn't be be condemned for for not crashing the glass or, or for not filling the lane properly. No, I disagree with that. I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter the percentage just, that you're shooting. You have to perform the right basketball play. 44% three-point shooter. Let me tell you how good, how high his percentage is on wide-open dunks. Like, much higher than forty four percent. So like right. that's that I don't really like buy that argument um, as well. And I don't I don't understand like even like because I've seen the argument like well you know you should you should just go for the three and try and win the game uh, and, and not not bother with with overtime. I don't I mean I don't I get that a lot more uh, when you're on the road. But the Wizards are are on the road on a. Four on the fourth game of a four-game road trip. Like 
take them to overtime. They're they're going to be the ones who run out of gas, not you. And so I, I just like I, it's just really frustrating that they uh, that they don't end up just taking the easy bucket. And and because that exactly what happens, like okay, well it's almost like we got we got cute, right? And and well, let's try and get the three and win this thing in in regulation. And you ended up getting. I mean, the pass to Faku was not good. Um, he didn't. It didn't get to him clean. It bounced right in front of him, so he didn't get a clean catch. Uh, and he had to just basically heave that thing because he was. They were pretty much out of time. Like, they, there's just there's just very very little to like about the way that that was executed. And even if they executed it well, there's there's very little to like just about the general way it it. Unra- or it, it all came out came to pass like there there was there was a basically a 99% probability of making the basket if you just crashed the rim and and somebody in and, and Murray passes it to you know to Mike um for the dunk like that that was a guaranteed way to to not lose in regulation and they passed that up to to try and you know I guess get a 3 to win it in regulation and that that ends up biting them in the end Disappointing play. Uh, there's a lot of disappointing parts of this game. I, I call this a nightmare loss on Twitter, and and I I stand by that. That if you're in a situation where Murray's playing 42 minutes, Porter's at 41, Jokic is at 38, the three of them combined for let me just do the quick math here: 76 points. And the Wizards, you see Russell Westbrook go six of 17. You should probably win the basketball game. <laughs> I I don't I think that this is a this is a pretty incriminating loss uh, from the perspective of you You had to get this one, given that you had just lost to the Wizards previously, given that like this, this team is just, just trying to come up with any momentum that they can possibly get. And this is the one that you drop? Like, like that's right. It, it's just, it, it was disconcerting. And, and I, I'll, I'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but, but the first quarter and, and just the way that this game opened up, you knew that there was a bad energy in the air. You knew that this game was going to to just just bite them in the ass, and and it really did. There there was just a lot of misses, a lot of poor execution, a lot of a, a lack of focus, if you will. And, and oh yeah, that's that's to, for everybody involved, not just one person. Oh yeah, because you know you you mentioned all those things like uh, well, you would think you know with with those guys combining for seventy six points with. With Westbrook going six of seventeen, you would think that would be a Nuggets win. But then when you start looking at some of the other the the other stats of this game, well, they turned over the ball eighteen times. They gave up ten offensive rebounds. They lost the the battle in the paint by twelve points. Like a lot of uh, like you were saying, like energy, like hustle, like a lot of just just the the execution things, the simple execution things. They they just did not get. Um, get right at all in this game and it and it just it killed them time and time again i mean the first quarter they they start the first quarter just taking a bunch of jump shots or they get to the basket and they just inexplicably blow easy layups like really easy layups and everybody i mean Jokic missed some layups barton couldn't hit anything tonight uh i mean morris uh, had a terrible night composo like you said one for seven i mean there was they got nothing outside of their uh, outside of their big three, and it's they didn't have the crisp execution. Otherwise, like guys have bad shooting nights, that happens. So like, but when that happens, you can't give up eighteen turnovers, you can't give up ten offensive rebounds, 
and a lot of those offensive rebounds in the in the second half, and particularly in the fourth quarter, like you can't have all of those just mental lapses it, it, because if you do, you end up you end up dropping a game to the Wizards on your home court. In in and once again, you know, I mean, the Nuggets have played five hundred ball for <sighs> essentially the whole season, right? Because they're seventeen and fifteen. Yeah. They're they're and and this is why because they can. It's not that they don't have the talent. It's because they continue. How many? How many quarters, how many games, how many moments of just inexplicable brain farts do we see this team have? It, it, just, it blows the mind because they were, they were so, you know, they, they looked like they had, had it figured out at the end of last year. And now it's just like, the, it, it feels like they've taken just such a step back mentally. And that's, that's not what you would expect. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to we're going to talk about some of these detailed struggles. Uh, just go player by player, I think. I think it's important to give everybody uh, their own their own little low light reel because it, it wasn't just one person. I want to keep that clear, but uh, there were a lot of players who really struggled tonight. And and we want to talk about and it. the coach and, and the coach and the coach. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back here on the Denver Stiff Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this is a tough loss for everybody involved. Uh, I actually, I hustled home to uh, to record this one with Zach Mikosh because I was at the arena and it, the, the energy in that building was just atrocious throughout most of it. And even still, the Nuggets had their opportunities to to, to pull out a win and, and really like in a, in a game that they didn't deserve to win clearly, uh, but they still couldn't get it done. Uh, let's let's go through some of the lowlights here because I think that like Jokic, I I think that Jokic had a fine game, but he was also not great. He and he disappeared on offense in the second half, and and some of that I think was it was just weird, and it, and it's but you can't like I was gonna say it's weird because he just like he wasn't getting the ball, and like uh, for for any other player on the team, say for maybe Murray, I would be like, well, that's a they, they got to figure out a better way to incorporate him. Like, nah, this is Nikola Jokic. This is this is who the offense runs through. This is the clear leader of the team. This is the, a guy who has become the clear vocal leader of this team as well, and is the definite captain, and like. He he. If he's not getting the ball, he needs to demand it, and and they every single person will will recognize that they need to get it to him if he demands it, and he and he just didn't, and and that was the thing. I mean, in the third quarter, he sort of disappeared, uh, for for a big stretch, and and when that happened, uh, the Nuggets the Nuggets struggled. So it's and then and then they end up winning the quarter because at the end of the quarter he starts asserting himself and starts scoring again. So I mean he he j- was was probably it's him or Murray was was the best player on the floor tonight but like he yeah that he had his struggles in in particular in that second half and not kind of going back to that old Nikola that we know where he's just not really being aggressive 
and and it and it hurt Denver. I want to correct you there. Uh, third quarter was one where he actually did take several shots, and he hit three of his threes, like all three of his threes in that quarter. But he only attempted one shot in the fourth quarter. And that's it. So yeah, and, it must have been the fourth. Quarter. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Like, like. And the one that he did attempt, he just he just kind of went at Robin Lopez, and I thought that Robin Lopez did a great job of impeding him. Uh, Robin Lopez actually the uh, the highest plus minus on the team for for the Washington Wizards, and there's a reason for that. He did a, a great job defending stat. defending Nikola Jokic, and I I tend to think that there there are connections there for sure. Uh, but look, Jokic is or he's twenty four eleven and seven. Denver should still be able to find a way to put together wins around that. Uh, let's go to Will Barton. This might have been the worst game of Will Barton's career, and I yeah, don't. I, mean, I, I don't want to under like I. I don't want to like f- like thrash him for that because like look, he he came off of a a loss to his family. Like he's he's hasn't been great over the course of the last couple weeks, and and he's really fallen off. I think, but. But we just got a little bit. Got a call like, like we see tweak an ankle. Yeah, he he tweaked an ankle last game. Like like he's clearly right. not all the way there. But what happened on the court today was probably the worst performance of his career in a Nuggets uni. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and here's the thing, like like and I'm I'm totally uh, you know very empathetic to to uh, having to deal with loss in the family and and to being trying to play through being hurt. But like. If 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 it's gonna be affect you so bad that like it did tonight, then like then don't play, man. Like because you're not helping your team, and 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 I get it. Like you're they're so banged up right now, but like you can't tell me R.J. Hampton couldn't have given you 22 minutes that were better than the 22 minutes that Will Barton gave you. So like if if you're not there, then don't play. Like 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 come to coach, be like coach. I'm hurt. Like I'm still struggling through through some stuff right now. Like I need to. I, I I'm not gonna be. Uh, I can't be out there and 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 do what's right by your team because you can't you can't come out there and and I mean the game three turnovers, one for seven shooting he was just zero for five from three like there was just nothing and and a lot of his shots too that he took were just it was just bad just like bad shot selection just forcing a lot of stuff that didn't need to be forced there was one three he took and I think I want to say maybe it was in the in the first half like in the second quarter where he just. Like there must have been like twenty seconds still on the shot clock, and he just walks right into a three contested from the top of you know from the top of the three point line and and shoots it, and it is just it was just that type of night for Will. Yeah, and and I I think I'll describe that as a Michael Porter Jr. shot. And, yeah, exactly. And like I I put up with it with Porter uh, when he makes them. Uh, sometimes he doesn't make them, and and he rightly gets criticized, and I do also criticize Porter when he does that too much but lately he hasn't done that a lot barton like there there was nothing going tonight and and i i just think that he inserted himself too much into the game and into what they were doing and nothing that he tried worked on on either end and the fact of the matter is is that if you aren't if you don't have it going on the offensive end then at least you have to wall up defensively and do the things you're supposed to do on that end and he was atrocious on that end too one of the reasons why Bradley Beal got going the way that he did was because the Will Barton was guarding him. Like, oh yeah, Bradley Beal cooked him for sure. That's an issue. Uh, the Nuggets are yeah. putting Jamal Murray out there on him, and Jamal Murray did a great job on Bradley Beal. Yeah. Like, he's the only yeah. guy I think that did. So, there's Composo uh, was all right. Compo- yeah, there, I mean, there are a couple times though that Composo was was fried chicken. He got beat, yeah. Uh, sure. And and that's that's also an issue. 
Uh, speaking of fried chicken, uh, yeah, Vlatko, uh, I know that Zeke got into early foul trouble, and that's the reason why Vlatko got on the floor. Uh, it, it was a no-go for me, dog. Like, like him being on the floor tonight was a pretty large indicator of where the Nuggets are from from a health perspective, and he just he just did not have it. Yeah, it's the issue with Vlatko Z. As everybody knows, nobody loves Vlatko more than I do. Um, at least in terms of Nuggets fans, I won't I won't try and uh, uh, you know Trump his his mom or something like that. I'm sure she loves Vlatko more than I do, but um, I don't know. <laughs> Vlatko, Vlatko, he, he's just really struggling. He can't shoot, man. Like that's 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 been the issue. Like he he just is a complete. Uh, a complete loss on offense. He he plays strong. I, I think he's plays he, he plays smart defense. Uh, he's he's obviously very strong. He's he's probably the strongest guy uh, on the team, uh, him or Hartenstein. But he, I mean, Rui Hachimura got him a couple times uh, when they were when he was out there, and and he just. He just didn't have, like you said, he didn't have anything going. I, I, I 100% uh, agree with the move that Malone made, putting him out there. You're, you're already down two power forwards. You've got the only other power forward outside of Vlatko um, and Zeke Naji that you have available to you is, uh, I mean, Michael Porter Jr., but but the only other guy you have to to come off the bench and be a sort of defensive four uh, outside of Vlatko or, or, or Najee is going to be Greg Whittington, who's never played a game in the NBA. And, and probably, from I mean, it was listed as, was out and then miraculously listed as doubtful yesterday and then upgraded to questionable today. Like, you probably didn't have any plans to play Greg Whittington unless it, it's, unless you got into a, an emergency situation. So that's probably where Malone's thinking is there. He's like, all right, I got Najee in foul trouble right now. I'm going to put in Vlatko because if... Najee gets into foul trouble and and Vlaco gets hurt or something like that happens. Like now I'm putting in Greg Whittington, so I've got to try and preserve Najee for the second half. But the thing is, is Malone and and, and if I, to be somewhat critical of him, like he didn't really go back to Najee in the second half. I mean, he well, no, actually, actually, I, I, let me argue that point. Like, like because Najee played two minutes in that first half, but he played 13 mm-hmm. in the second half. He had his normal rotation. The problem that you run into with that was that. Najee still finished with two personal fouls. Like, why didn't he play him through the foul trouble, given the fact that he's he's going to play two separate twelve minute stretches, and that's kind of that's kind of what the uh, what the thing has been for for these past couple of games with the way that the rotation is is built. Like, just he's not going to pick up six fouls in in twenty four minutes. Just play him. He picked up two fouls in two minutes, so I don't think you can say he's not going to pick up six fouls in twenty-four minutes. Like, but he, but he played another thirteen in the second half and didn't pick up another one. He did, but but Malone can't be. I mean, he's not a fortune teller, right? He can't. He's got to take the facts that are in front of him in the moment, and the facts that are in front of the moment is like this guy just picked up two fouls in two minutes, and I've got, I've got two other power forwards basically on the roster right now. Right. So he, I, I mean, I get what he did. I guess my guy said my criticism though is yeah. So if you're gonna save him. Uh, from foul trouble in in the first half, then like my assumption is you're planning on probably playing him more minutes in the second half, and that's not what he did. He just he played him as you said his his normal rotation, and I thought that hurt them particularly in the fourth quarter. I might have liked to see Zeke Naji over um, either Monty Morris or Facundo Campazzo in in the the closing minutes there because again they were getting killed uh, on the offensive right. glass, and that that could have helped them there. Yeah, and and given what Naji just did against the Portland Trailblazers. 
I was just surprised that he didn't close with them. Like that he, I think he earned it. I think he earned the opportunity. He's, he's got the versatility on defense. Like we've seen it, man. Like the guy can guard five through probably five through two if he really is, you know, focused and locked in there. I mean, there's probably gonna be some, uh, a lot of two guards who are gonna be able to beat him, but he can at least survive. Survive as good as Composito or Morris could against you know Bradley Beal if if he if he got put out. Um, out on Beal on a switch or something like that. But, like, that's that's the thing that was really interesting to me is, like, here's a guy who's who's shown uh, over these past few games that he's really versatile on the defensive end and he's got the athleticism and the length to really bother some people. And you just don't you, you just don't go with it. It, it. I don't know. It didn't make a ton of sense to me um, given that, like I said, given that you, you, you kind of saved him in the first half uh, by pulling him out. So it... It was it was a peculiar choice to to say the least. That's yeah, just too bad. Um, I thought Monte had a pretty poor game, though. The stats, like oh, when, when you when you look at it, the stats he's got twelve points, five assists, three rebounds, three steals, only two turnovers. It says, but it just it felt like each of those was uh, was backbreaking, uh, given the way that he was playing and kind of driving into the rim. I thought I thought this was the first night in a while that he played reckless and wild and erratic. Right. And and that's a that's an issue when you're looking for stability out there. Yeah, I think Monty sort of feels like pressure to be more of a scorer right now because uh, because the Nuggets are so thin. Which is funny they're not they're not thin on their scores. Uh, they're thin on all their role players and their and their defensive guys right now. But he, he was he was I, I think he was trying to be more aggressive and it just didn't work out. I mean he gets to the free throw line eight times. I did he I think yeah he ended up leading the team uh, in free throws. And that's how he gets his twelve points, right? Because he couldn't—he he was terrible shooting from the field. But like, uh, so I saw it as like Monty trying to be more of an aggressive, like score first type of player, and that's not his game. That's not—that's not who he is, and that's—that's that's what ends up, I think, getting him into these trouble where he's like, all right, like, you know, you had the two turnovers, um, which, like you said, it, it felt like it was more, um, and he just—he just didn't. Every it was one of those things where it's like every time he put up a shot, you just you just were like, man, I, I it's not going to go in, and it didn't, and it was. It was really tough to take, and then on defense, he was uh, he was just as bad as everyone else. I mean, like, and, and give like, do take it with in in context here. Like, you're playing one of the best backcourts in the league. Like that, there's no other way to put it. I mean, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, that combination um, is is got to be you know top five backcourt in the league. Sure. So uh, I understand these guys struggling to defend those two players, but they, I mean, they, they you might as well just not not defend it at all, which is essentially what they did. And that and Monty was was certainly um, guilty of that, just as just as much as anyone. It's too bad. Like uh, this is, it just certainly feels like the Nuggets really missed an opportunity tonight to uh, get a feel good win, to continue to put separation between themselves and that play in game. Uh, it's just it. They're they're just in a really rough spot from a from a consistency perspective. I thought that that first quarter was some of the worst basketball I've ever watched, and and it, not I saw for, that you said. Go ahead. I saw that you said that you thought it was the like the worst quarter that you had watched this season, and all I thought to myself was, I was like, "Did you forget the second quarter of the last time we played this team?" <laughs> like, well, it's, it's I, not, not even that. Like, like sometimes when you when you feel like everything is going wrong, and and it, it's a spiraling thing. And look, if if you go down by twenty, then that's fine. The Nuggets should have scored forty points on this Washington team in that first quarter. It should have been forty to twenty six. 40 to they, 20. They missed, they, they so missed a major opportunity to get out in front of this Washington team, put the pressure on them. 
And unfortunately, the Nuggets were playing with that pressure for the entire game. And it sort of felt like the, the ugly energy was there throughout because they had started so badly. Because everything that, like, they were getting easy shots. There, there was a, a missed layup that Will Barton had that bricked so badly that it was, like, off the side of the backboard when he was had a wide-open lane to the rim that I I just kind of looked around at, at, at other media members around me and, and was just like, what is going on? Uh, there's, it's just such a weird place that this team is at right now. And I can't help but think that, and I've floated this a couple of times, this team is ripe for a trade. This team is ripe for, for switching things up and trying to figure out a different formula. I don't know what they're going to do, but they have to do something because what they're doing right now is not working. It's not consistent enough. The problem that they're going to run into on on trades um, is they're not going to want to give up any of, of obviously Jokic, Murray, or even Porter at this point. I don't think you can. Like those are uh, those are the only guys who are doing anything for this team right now. But outside of them, like nobody's going to give you anything. You're going to have to pay a pick, uh, probably a first rounder, to get off of Gary Harris's contract if you want to do that. You're probably going to have to pay a second rounder to get off of Will Barton. Though I think Will Barton, well, no, he's expiring, but he's got a player option, which I'm sure he's going to take. So, you know, you're going to have to – you're probably going to have to pay to get a pick to get off of Will Barton. Uh, Monty Morris is probably a guy you could you could maybe trade, but then, you know – Poison I mean, you're pill. Going in on, but, yeah, but he's got the poison pill. That's right. So he can't – he's unmovable. Paul Millsap is unmovable, um, even if somebody wanted to trade for him. So, you know, I mean, you're either talking about, well, what what can I get for, like, R.J. Hampton? You're not going to trade Zeke Naji at this point, I don't think. So it's like, what can I get for R.J. Hampton? Um, and, and will, does anybody have any interest in bowl bowl? Cause clearly the nuggets do not, or clearly at least Michael Malone does not. So uh, what I wonder is like, uh, unless you're willing, unless you're willing to, to cash out some first round picks in the future, which maybe that's what you got to do to try and try and fix this right now. But I, I, there's just not a ton to like in terms of the, the players, the nuggets could trade, uh, that, that will get them, I think any sort of meaningful return. And the biggest issue with the first round picks is that the 2023 first rounder that they traded for RJ Hampton, it's protected out to 2025. So they can't trade 2023, 2024, 2025. They also can't trade 2022 because then you'd have back-to-back picks that you'd be giving up. They can only trade that 2021 first round pick, which is going to be a pretty good draft, or the next closest pick that they can trade is 2027. And then they can't trade anything after that. So they have two first round picks at their disposal. And are you just going to trade a first round pick along with Gary Harris or Will Barton to get off of a contract? No, I don't think you, I don't think so. I think you're going to try to make a move to win, which means you've got to add other things on top of that. And when you're, when you're in that position, like it's just, it's, there's too much. It's too much. Right. I mean, let's cut to, cut to the brass tacks. It means you're adding RJ Hampton. It's, it's the only somewhat attractive Asset, not, I hate calling him asset. It's the only somewhat attractive player, you know, you have that that another team can look at and be like, "Yep, here's a guy who who can help us improve, who's got a high ceiling, who could be a really good, you know, long term could end up being a star in the league." Like, he's the only guy, but there's so he's such a huge unknown as well that it's, nobody's going to be like, "Oh yeah, you know, R.J. Hampton can be the can be the the centerpiece of a of a star trade as the you know the young player coming back." Like that's. That's not the kind of thing you're talking about getting, you know, you're talking about getting a role player, um, which, which, and not, not, not even like a, an elite role player. You're just talking about like, Hey, can I get a good role player? And I don't know that you need more role players on this team. I think you need, you need somebody. I mean, Porter has been playing better lately, but you need somebody who wants to play with Jokic and Murray and, and, and get them, 
make it so that they don't have to carry this team uh, every single night. And he's somebody who can play defense because nobody wants to play defense either. And like, I just don't know. I mean, I, I as people know, like I'm a I'm a big believer in like trying to get Larry Nance on this team, but I don't think you have anything that you you could trade to get Cleveland to trade you Larry Nance at this point. So it's like, you know, or or the other guys we've talked about, whether it's uh, Harrison Barnes or an Aaron Gordon or anybody like that. Like I just don't think there's there's enough assets here to make a type of deal that any one of those type of players that I just mentioned is, is going to end up on your team. Like, because you could, you could offer uh, some package for any one of those guys. And I guarantee that team's like, yeah, yeah, well, if this is what the Nuggets are offering us, I bet you we can find something better. And, and I guarantee you they can. So it's, you know, like I, 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 they, they feel very stuck to me right now. And, And I think, I think it's, changes might not meaningful changes probably aren't going to happen until the season is over. I think you're probably right. I think they'll probably try to make a minor move on the fringes and they have the, the assets to make a minor move, but right. Anything major that you're hoping for that's unless they're willing to give up one or two other first round picks, the only other two first round picks that they have along with uh, an RJ Hampton or a Zeke Naji or uh, God forbid, Michael Porter Jr., yeah, say or, um, or you're trading Porter and you're going all in with you know trying to find. But there's no there's no if you're trading Michael Porter Jr. You're trading for a star player and like there's there's not they, that that ship has sailed. James Harden has been traded. Like Drew Holiday has been traded. Like all these guys are gone. There is no there is no star. Bradley Beal is has been adamant that he does not want to be traded. Like there is no guy out there right now who's who's looking to get out of his situation that you could package Michael Porter Jr. for to get in return and make it worth it. Like it, it just doesn't exist so it's like i said they feel very stuck could use a jeremy grant right now you sure could and and but and to their credit they tried i mean they they certainly tried and that and really i think a lot of the season struggles come back to that to to jeremy grant leaving to go to detroit because he was so perfect and 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 everything that they had learned in the bubble that had helped them get to the western conference finals that had sort of made them into a whole unit Really, really uh, was was pinned on the hopes that you're getting Jeremy Grant back because he was the perfect guy to play next to Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic in the starting lineup. And and when you lost him, there there was not another answer. I mean, Jamichael Green has been has been solid at, at times, not so solid other times. Now he's hurt, but he's not he's not the same type of player as Jeremy Grant. He's not like and and without without that versatile forward who can both play the four. And, and space the floor as the four, but also can be switched onto onto threes and even twos to be to you know bother them as as a defender. Like without that guy, they don't. It's 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 just a huge huge hole, and it and it seems like it really makes the the rest of it difficult to work to you to where you get at this point where it's like okay, we're back to just basically relying on Jokic and Murray to do everything and, and hoping we're gonna we're gonna beat teams one twenty to one fifteen. Let's take a break. When we come back after that big old downer, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the the Denver Stiff Show as a whole and and some of the some of the plans that we have with with this particular podcasting platform. Nothing is nothing is po- totally finalized yet, but that we're trending so- towards some decisions. Uh, and we're just gonna we're gonna talk about some some big picture stuff. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Denver Stiff Show, final segment here. And then there is some finality to it, Zach. Uh, 
I, I, I wanted to have you on and, and I think that you also wanted to be on because I think that there is there is some logic to having the deputy site manager on for the end of the Denver Stiff show. Well, when, when I was telling you, I was like, yeah, I really feel like it should be me and you doing this show uh, to finish. I think it's just in a lot of ways, you know, when I look at um, what each each site manager, like the sort of the stamp uh, that they've put on, on the site, you know, I look at, I mean, obviously Andy Feinstein founded it. Uh, Nate Timmons sort of brought legitimacy to it by, by getting, you know, getting the staff credentialed and, and making it like an actual uh, Nuggets beat. Um, Adam Maras sort of took it to the, 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 the next level and made it a content machine um, and, and really kind of and, and sort of a, a, a cultural um, more than just more than just a beat and making it a real a really a, like a cultural thing. And I've really felt like you know your, your big stamp on this was like you, you, you took the podcasting to the next level and you made the podcast network a thing versus you know before we had you know we had the pickaxe um and, and we had adam was doing locked on but it was like you know i was doing pickaxe for uh dash radio uh, adam was doing locked on nuggets then you started doing nuggets numbers and and adding that in and it was all kind of just like discombobulated and you really brought everything together and and made it um a true podcast network here on the stiffs and, and the denver stiff show has you know has just been that was the show that was like all right this is just uh, in, in a lot of ways, I felt like took kind of the place of the pickaxe of being like the stiffs show for for all the stiffs to kind of get together and and have different different our different voices on there. And, and so it felt like, all right, if this is going to be um, at least the last of these shows in this type of format, uh, that that it really should be, you know, you and I, because it, it's been sort of and, and more so you than me by far. But um, it's sort of been our baby, right? Like our, our kind right. of. Um, our, 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 I guess, crowning achievement of, of our, of our past couple of years here. So, um, it, 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 it wouldn't have it any other way. I really enjoyed it. And, and one of the goals that I had with the podcast network in general was I, I knew that we had a really strong writing base and we carried that over from what Adam did and what Adam did for the site was really to give us a great writing voice and really to help every writer expand their voice uh, in a written medium, I wanted to expand it from a from an audio audio medium, uh, from an ability to have people interact with their audience a little bit more, uh, get have people get to know each of the podcast hosts, each of the guests, each of the stiffs, just a little bit more. And, and I think that we've done that pretty well. Uh, for those that don't know, I, I took over for the site a couple of seasons ago uh, at the beginning of the twenty at the Oh, actually, no, the 2019-2020 season. It's time is just uh is just a construct at this point, given what we've been doing, what we've been going through. But uh uh yeah, towards the the end of 2019, about September or so, was when I took over. And and one of the things that I really wanted to do heading into that season was come up with uh, a setting of podcasts that we would all be able to share and everybody would be uh, connected that way by each of each writer sharing their own unique perspective, each writer sharing their own voice. And, and I think that we accomplished that. We started off with the pickaxe on Mondays. That's been all, always been our opening and leading show and it always will be. Uh, Tuesday was Nuggets numbers. Wednesday was the dig. Uh, Thursdays we kind of played around with, but this season it, it's been garbage takes kind of in and out of there. And, and and I think Jenna's done a really good job with that. And we have a lot of fun with that particular show. 
And then Friday was the capper with the Denver Stiff Show, and we were able to all come together. And it was like you said, it was kind of a, a congregation of everything uh, Denver Stiffs that that I think that we prided ourselves on. So it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed the camaraderie with the group that came from the podcasting and came from the podcast network in general. And I think that we all connected really well on this medium. Agreed. I, I, I think it's been... Um... I mean, I think it's just been it's it's been really fun to do, and it's and I, I was really proud of, of the uniqueness uh, of the voices, you know, that we've we've been able to find. I mean, you know, now with 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 Chicken Nuggets uh, coming on and and being sort of now an official part of the network as well, like it's you know I I can't think of another Nuggets podcast that is um, that is that is all female voice. You know, that's that's something that is has been uh is extremely unique and i and i think it's really it's been a really uh a great show to listen to and, and a really great way to get get a, a different perspective um that you maybe don't that we don't get enough uh in sports so it's uh, across the board and and just the diversity of the shows too you know we, we had nuggets numbers which was was more analytical and we had we the dig was just uh, the dig was just kind of wacky in its own way, and uh, but I mean, but the production was really, really good, and you know, and then and then on Mondays, me and me and Gordon would uh, just basically write uh, write rundowns that we never would stick to, and just and and it really became <laughs> so many and so many of these podcasts have become that way though, where it's not even really like about a rundown or a, or an agenda or anything like that. It's just like it's some friends getting together to talk about the Nuggets, and I think that's. That's really cool, and I think that's what makes podcasts genuine and makes them enjoyable to listen to. And and I, I really feel like we we did a good job of that um, with with the network. Getting to know the staff for more than just the basketball, but for their voices, for their interests, for their passions. A, a lot of us were connected by our passion and fandom for the Nuggets, but more than that, it's 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 developed into friendship and an ability to really understand each other through that media and be able to communicate with each other no matter what. It was one of the best decisions I think I made uh, in terms of site management because I thought I thought the camaraderie and the ability to really hear each other versus just see, just talking to each other via slack or or kind of just just watching what we, what each other did from afar. I thought that this was a good way to get everybody connected. And and I think we're going we're going to miss that from the uh, from the Nuggets numbers and Denver Stiff Show perspective. Uh, still unclear what the what the rest of the network is going to do, uh, but we're we're totally we're, we're going to evolve. We're going to try to figure that best that out as best as we can, and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what what happens next. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, everyone, the, the 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 podcast network is not going away. It's it is just we are going to. Uh... Uh, we're, we're just going to go through some changes. You know, there's, there's going to be some changes coming up here in the, in the next month or so. And it's going to, uh, the, the landscape of stiffs is going to shift a little bit and, and it's going to be an opportunity for some new people to get, uh, to really get more involved and particularly on the podcast network. I think that's, that's going to be a chance for some, some of, some of our, uh, newer, newer staff members. And, and I, by newer, I mean people who have been here for two years now, cause we've pretty much everybody on staff has been here that long. So sure. Or longer. So it's, you know, it's, it's it's all people that that everyone recognizes, but you know it's for a, for a, up until this point, the podcast network has really been, you know, you, me, Gordon, one one day a week, and Jenna, one day a week, and that's and that's pretty much been it. It's just and, and there's so many more people involved with stiffs than just the four of us that it, I think it's going to be really 
really good opportunity for for a lot of other people to get to get a chance to kind of spread their wings and and and, and start something with a podcast just like we did. I mean, when we started when we both started our our podcast where there was the pickaxe or nuggets numbers like we just did it. We just did it because it was we wanted to do it and 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 there was nobody to tell us not to. And and I think that that has some great things have come from that. And and so I'm excited to see uh, who what, what what kind of this next group can do because there's I mean there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of talent in this group of right. red stiffs there really is and and I, I think they're they're just beginning to sort of tap into their potential and, and podcasting is such a big part of of media these days that, that it's like I said it's going to be very exciting I think and, and and really a good thing um overall to 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 see what what this this kind of next group can do with with the network. Not not to toot our, our horn a little bit, but we get a lot of clicks. We get a lot of listens and we, we have a, a pretty large audience that has really attached to our group, that is really attached to the podcasting that we've done. And 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 fortunately it's given me an opportunity to expand to a five day a week thing over over partnering with Mile High Sports. And I'm excited about that. Gonna, gonna do pickaxe and roll over there. And that should be that should be a pretty interesting pod. I I'm 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 looking forward to the experience with that. But like you said, more more importantly, the uh the growth opportunity that we have here is a lot. There's gonna be a lot of, uh, of interesting things that are happening. And I can't wait, I can't wait to see what we have in store. Uh I'm looking forward to it, man. It's it's been a great run with this group. And and I've been I've been very happy to see how it's how it's panned out over the course of these last couple of years. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it's um, it's your crowning achievement thus far. Uh, we're, we're talking like you're like you're not going to be the site manager anymore. <laughs> I, I, I will all. still be the site manager, and I, I don't plan on leaving anytime soon, folks. So just just to make that clear, uh, my my responsibilities are shifting a little bit, and and for probably for the better, uh, but site management of Denver Stiffs, that still falls with me. There you go. So please direct all your complaints to at NBA Blackburn. I'm sure there are a lot of them, so it's okay. <laughs> still uh, the man for those. Oh, that's, that is very, very true. Uh, anything else that you have before, before we get out of here? No, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's been a heck of a ride. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what happens in the future with this group. And um, yeah, all good things. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in to the final episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Really appreciate you all. Uh, thank you so much. Make sure to leave a nice rating review and subscribe to, to this particular podcast if you're so inclined. Uh, if not, if you're if you're interested, uh, go go subscribe to Pickaxe and Roll because that's uh that's where you're gonna hear me from now on. This is the last the last minute of time you'll you'll hear from me on this particular network, I believe. But that 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 may not be the case. We'll we'll see, we'll see what happens there from from this point on. But he is Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Make sure to go follow him. Go bother him with all your concerns. Actually, that's that's much better. I, I prefer that a lot more. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys very soon.